0: Turning turn in your copy of the scriptures if you would please or in your Bible app to Acts chapter 2. We are in the middle of a sermon series that's going through the book of Acts that will Lord willing last the rest of the calendar year. And uh, today we come upon the second chapter of Acts. And I'm going to be reading beginning in verse 1. If you are physically able would you please stand at this time in honor of the reading of God's holy word. Follow along silently as I read aloud beginning in Acts chapter 2. And verse 1, this is what the Word of God says. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a, a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They were filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the lord comes the great and magnificent day and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the lord shall be saved the word of the lord you may be seated The HMS Resolute was a mid-19th century ship that was specifically made for Arctic exploration. Unfortunately, the ship became trapped in ice and was abandoned in 1854. But an American whaler recovered the ship and returned it to then-Queen Victoria... And she took timbers, or had she didn't do any of this, she had people take timbers from the ship to construct a desk and presented it to then President of the United States, Rutherford B. Hayes. The desk is known as the Resolute Desk. With the exception of three presidents, Lyndon B. Johnson, uh, Richard Nixon, and Gerald Ford, every president since then has used that desk. Today it sits in the Oval Office and is used by President Trump begs the question, if that desk could talk, oh, the things it would have to say. Uh, The documents that were signed upon it. Uh, Children of first families, uh, particularly the Kennedy children, I found pictures of them online playing in and around, hide and seek underneath the desk. Decisions, celebrations. Tragedies that altered the world all being spoken about in the presence of this piece of furniture. The conversations that took place during times of peace and times of war. The the phone calls with leaders from all over the world. If that desk could talk, we would probably want to listen. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 we read this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And friends... If that one place could talk, we would also want to listen. If the walls of that place could talk, they would have to say a lot. Now, we don't know this for sure, but throughout church history, it's been assumed that the place that they were gathered, the house that is spoken of in verse 2, is probably the same as the upper room that's spoken of in chapter 1 when Matthias was called up from the minors. It's probably the same upper room in which Jesus appeared after he rose from the grave. It's probably the same upper room in which they hid after Jesus died. It's probably the same upper room in which they celebrated the last supper. It begs the question, what would the walls of that room have to say if they could talk just about what had taken place in that place just over the last two months you see at this point in the book of acts everything is different for the apostles at this time everything is new nothing is as they would have been used to they they grew up celebrating passover but the last supper was no doubt the most memorable passover they had ever celebrated and is forever changed in their minds and hearts Pentecost was also something they would have been used to celebrating. This is the Old Testament feast of weeks. But that's about to be forever changed as these events unfold. For the followers of Jesus, particularly and especially over the last two months, the only thing constant is changed. And so it's the day of Pentecost. They're all together in one place, presumably the upper room. And we read this in Acts 2 and verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, Luke chooses his words carefully. A sound like a mighty rushing wind. So, get the picture here. There wasn't wind, but there was a sound like wind. Okay. This, oftentimes, the the writers of Scripture are employing uh, metaphors, or in this case, similes, to talk about Really something that's happening that probably can hardly be put into words. Like it's just something that's so supernatural and so out there, it's hard for us to uh, understand it. So this is a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Let me give you another example from scripture. Keep your finger in Acts and flip over to the book of Revelation. Uh, The book of Revelation chapter 4. Way in the back of your Bible. Or scrolling to the bottom of your app, I'm assuming. Revelation chapter 4. So this is uh, the Apostle John discussing what he has seen. Now, <laughs> I'm not, surely not mocking Scripture. But I, I can't help but when I read this, lots of times people read through Revelation 4 and they're very inspired. And they go, wow, I can't wait to, like, whoa, what a picture. I think it's one of the most oddest portions of Scripture I've ever Red. And I struggle with that because I have trouble picturing what is being depicted here. See if you can follow along and see if you uh, agree with me. Uh, Pick it up in verse 2. And once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven. Okay, I can picture that. With one seated on the throne. Gotcha. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. Kind of get that. And around the throne was a rainbow. Got it. That had the appearance of an emerald. I'm confused. Around the throne were 24 thrones. Got it. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders. Okay. Clothed in white garments. Gotcha. With golden crowns on their heads. I'm with you. From the throne came flashes of lightning. It sounds very dangerous. And, and, and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And I'm just, like, I'm not doubting any of this, but I'm having trouble picturing all this. Like wait, And, and it, 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 it just gets better. Verse 6 And before the throne was, there was as it were a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. Okay, the first living creature, here it is. Was the first living creature an ox? The first living creature was what? Like an ox. The second living creature, what? I'm sorry, the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature with the face of a man. That's all we know. And the fourth living creature was what? Like an eagle in flight. And all of these living creatures, verse 8, each of them had six wings. Full of eyes, so many eyes. Full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. It's hard to picture the supernatural. It does not make sense in our own finite minds. It doesn't make sense in the world in which we live, uh, the culture in which we live. These are beautiful, beautiful things in the throne room of the Almighty, but we read them and we're like, so many eyes. There's just so things that I can't picture that must be glorious, but I don't really, so it's a creature that's like an ox, but they all have wings. I'm confused. But this is the writers of scripture trying to explain something that we have never seen or come into contact with. Not uh, unlike that is what we read in Acts chapter 2, in my opinion, that suddenly there came from heaven a sound, what? Like a mighty rushing wind. Luke chooses his words carefully. We have some tall trees in our yard, and sometimes we'll be sitting out on the deck and we will hear the wind, but not. Feel it? Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? And you look up, and you'll see the branches swaying. It's like, oh, the wind is blowing up there. It's not blowing down here. I can, I can hear that sound of the wind. This is just like that, except there's no trees, and they're inside. Right? Just think about it for a minute. This is crazy town. So this is. I mean, when the Lord shows up, He makes an entrance. Okay? It doesn't, it, it blows our minds. It's, it's not something that we can fathom. There is a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. So this sound filled the entire house. Uh, verse 3. And divided tongues, here we go, as of fire. It kind of, it's like Luke's like, how do I put into words? It was like a mighty rushing wind. It was tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on Just rested on each one of them. Again, when God shows up, he makes quite an entrance. Verse 4 says this, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit was sent to the apostles to give them the power they needed in order to be the witnesses God called them to be. Now, it's important for us to realize this, that being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't the same as being baptized with the Holy Spirit. These are two completely different things entirely. Two different things entirely. Again, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not the same as being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Keep your finger or your place otherwise in Acts 2 and flip over to Romans chapter 6. Let me see if I can show you this from the Word of God. Romans chapter 6 uh, in verse 4, Paul tells us what baptism with the Spirit is and that occurs as Christ converts believers. Romans 6 and verse 4, "We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life." Now, you need to know that when you see the word baptism there in verse 4, Paul's not talking about baptism, right? Paul is baptism is a picture of something greater. So when Paul says, "You've been baptized into Christ, that means you've been immersed into Christ. Your your whole life, your whole being has been immersed into the gospel, immersed into his death, burial, and resurrection. Remember, baptism depicts that. So when he's saying here in verse 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, that's not by baptism in water. That's saying we've been immersed into all the benefits, all the glories, all the blessings that come with knowing and loving Jesus Christ. We see similar things in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Again, if you've been immersed into Christ, if your whole life has been given to Christ, you have put on Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, and verse 13 says, it, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Flip over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And take a look at verse 9. Romans 8 verse 9 says this. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Now listen to this. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Anyone who does not have the spirit does not belong to him. Therefore, anyone who does belong to him has what? The spirit. See, when you belong to Christ, when you're immersed into Christ, when his grace has been poured out upon you in a a saving way, you've been immersed into the Holy Spirit, and without him, you'd never want or choose Christ to begin with. You say, I did not choose Christ because I was forced. I didn't feel like a robot. Nobody has ever been drug into the king. Drug? Drug. Dragged. Dragged. Into the kingdom, kicking or screaming. That's never happened. Everyone who has come to Christ has come to him based upon their own free will, based upon their own desire. They open the door to their heart and invite Christ into their lives. However... What you don't see is that the Holy Spirit came in through the back door, kicked it down, did a little spiritual break in and entering, and came up to you and said, open the door fool, you need Jesus. And we went, okay. And we opened the door and then Jesus comes flooding into our life. But the Holy Spirit was at work in our life even when we didn't realize it. Changing what we wanted and praise God he did. Because given, left to ourselves, we would never choose that which is right. But God changes what we want. Opens our eyes to truth. We would never come to Christ if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We love him because he what? First loved us. And so we're responding to his his initiating love towards us. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is something anybody has experienced if they are a believer. Believer. Every believer has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every unbeliever has not. Now, I make this point to make the next point that this isn't something we seek. This is something we have, right? If we're believers, we don't seek baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's something we already have. We have it at conversion. What's happening in Acts chapter 2 is believers who had already been baptized in the Holy Spirit because they were believers were now being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus is making good on a bunch of things he has already said in times past. For example, in the Gospel of John chapter 16, verse 7, he said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. What did we hear about last week? Pastor Brad preached about the ascension, right? So he has left. So this is the upgrade they were promised. In Acts 1 and verse 8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. This is the power they were promised. This is it. The future is now. This is all that Jesus has been talking about. So again, in Acts 2 and verse 4, they were all, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this brings us to our first point that you need to realize if you realize nothing else. It would be worth the price of admission. You won't have the power to do what God has called you to do without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You will not have the power to do what God has called you to do if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. See, unlike the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is given at conversion, the filling of the Holy Spirit is something we pursue, something we long for, something we desperately, desperately need. We are powerless, inept, unable to be the witnesses God has called us to be without the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what we read, what we do in Ephesians 5, 17 and following, which is in your outline. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, What is that? Well, Do not get drunk with wine, For that is debauchery. But what? Be filled with the Spirit. Do you see that? Be filled with the Spirit. That's a command. And when Paul originally penned these words, it read more like, keep on being filled with the Spirit. In other words, it's not a a one-time event like baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? When you're converted, you're converted. After that, believers are to continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God's commands assume God's enablement. If God commands us to do something, he's not doing something just so we can like elbow other members of the Godhead and say, look, look what I asked him to do. He can't, <laughs> he can't do it. Watch him try. No, seriously, watch her try. It's going to be awesome. She's not going to do it. She's going to fail. If God calls us to something, he's going to enable us to do that. He's not going to call us to something and just say, oh, but you can't do this. And I'm just going to get a big kick out of it. And so if God says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's obviously something we can shoot for. That's obviously something we can want. Something we can go for. And so in your outline I've listed four things that you need in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit continuously. And this is based on that text that's before you. Ephesians 5 verses 17 and following. Number one, you need to have an understanding of God's will for your life. Ephesians 5 17 says, do not be foolish but Understand what the will of the Lord is. So many times we struggle to know what God's will is for our lives. What is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? Listen. The vast majority of God's will for you is contained within his word. Like there's a lot of ink here. The vast majority of what God would have you know about his will for your life can be found in his word. That's why we read things like we do in Colossians 3.16 saying, Let the word of Christ what dwell in you richly. God speaks to us through his word. The vast majority of what you need to know about God's will for your life and for your decisions are contained within his word. You say, well, there's specific decisions that are nowhere in the word of God that are not pertaining to, like, I don't know if I should take this job. Where is that? I don't know if I should continue um, living here or move elsewhere. I'm not sure if I should marry her. That's not in here. But there's principles in here that you can apply. And then there's things that you can take before the Lord and you can pray, pray, pray that God would give you his counsel, his wisdom. The vast majority of what you need to know about the will of God can be found in his word. And so I would say, before you say, I don't, I don't know what the will of the Lord is for this situation, I would ask you, have you searched the scriptures? Have you asked someone to help you search the scriptures? God said a lot. He said a lot in His word. Before we say there's no help in the Bible, let's make sure that that's true. In the vast majority of cases, I would say it is not. That which you need to know about God's will for your life can be found in His word. That's why we need to place ourselves, listen to me, regularly in the presence of God. And that's only going to come as we carve out time to do that in our lives on a regular basis to hear from him, to speak to him, and to better, as Ephesians 5 verse 17 says, understand what the will of the Lord is. And you say, come on, Pastor Peter. I mean, I've I've, I've read the Bible enough to know that God's omnipresent, right? Right? Psalm 139, David says, what, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. Everywhere I go, you're there, God. Aren't I always in the presence of God? we we'll have to carve out special time all the time. Well, listen, right now you're in the presence of many, many people. But that's not the same as you hanging out with someone, right? That's not the same as you sharing a meal with someone or walking together or watching a ball game together or spending focused time together so yes you're never outside of god's sight and yes he is omnipresent which means he's that ready that accessible and always eager to spend time with you and you become more like the people you spend the most time with and so it is with christ The more we spend time with him, the more time we can hear from Christ the word, the more we'll yield our everyday decisions to his control and can then walk by the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5 and verse 16. Four things we need in order to continue being filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, you need to sing of God's goodness to him and others. That's what it says in Ephesians 5, uh, verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, you might look at me and say, listen, bro. uh, There will not be anything edifying about me singing, much less singing more often or singing loudly. I could not carry a tune in a paper bag uh, I would not be a blessing but would perhaps provoke my brothers and sisters to anger if I were to sing more. I can't sing. And I would just say this. Look. Like I'm not going to cut a demo anytime soon, but I can sing. I would encourage you not to quit your day job, but you can sing. We're supposed to address one another, sing with each other, teach one another, admonish one another, encourage one another. That's why we sing with each other. The singing we did today isn't the prelude to the main event. You know that, right? It's not like Ethan and Jeremiah opened up for me. They're not the opening act, but then the real thing happens. We're supposed to sing with and to one another, and so we do we're supposed to make melody to the lord with our hearts and hopefully that's something we can do when we're together hopefully the rich words that we sing together are something that that isn't just an earworm because it's a catchy tune but the truth that's contained within them saturate our minds and our hearts as we think about them even when we're not in this place number three you need to cultivate thankfulness to god regularly. Ephesians 5 and verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit-filled people are thankful people. The Spirit moves in and among us in such a way to remind us of the goodness of God in our lives and that there's always a reason for us to be thankful. The more thankful we are, we place ourselves in a position to be used by God to do great things for Him and others as we come before him in gratitude and can be filled by the holy spirit and finally number four you need to look for opportunities to put others before yourself just like jesus did for you ephesians five twenty one, submitting to one another out of reverence for christ let me ask you a question when was the last time you didn't get your way said, so, well, just on the way here, I didn't get the parking spot I wanted because this lady just up and pulled right on into it, and I had to come apart myself, and I came. Okay, let me, let me ask it a different way. When was the last time you willingly, volitionally, intentionally didn't get your way? Because you submitted to someone else. You preferred someone else. See, spirit-filled people don't always get their way. You know that, right? Spirit-filled people do not always get their way. Spirit-filled people choose to not get their way. They submit to one another, Ephesians 5, verse 21. They prefer others. They don't cling to their rank or their title or their position. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the motivating factor in verse 21. Out of reverence for Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7. The more you empty yourself, as Jesus emptied himself, you make room for the Holy Spirit to be filled in your life over and over and over again to use you for his glory. And so before we move on, let me just ask this question. What about you? Which of these steps do you look at and say, I think I should probably maybe focus on this this one in particular in order to cultivate a more consistently Spirit-filled life? Because remember, being filled with the Spirit is something we're told to pursue. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Which of the steps that we've discussed is something that you maybe should think about cultivating in your life, focusing on that specifically, saying I could use more of that. That's not, very present in, that's not very present in my life. I, quite frankly, get my way a lot. I'm kind of at the top of the food chain in a lot of different areas of my life. I need to choose to submit to others. Or, this also is only four things. Maybe there's things you would add to it. What would you add to that list that, that you think the Lord would use to help prepare you and put you in a position to be Filled over and over and over again by the Holy Spirit. So in our text today in Acts chapter 2, verse 4 says, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Which brings us to point number two. You can bank on the Holy Spirit giving you the in-the-moment grace you need to be the witness Jesus has called you To be, that's what we see here in Acts two and verse four. Right, Uh, in Acts two and verse four, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Which begs the question: Why? Is just just because God wanted to make a big melodramatic entrance and just kind of show off what He can do? For my next trick, I'll pull a rabbit out of a hat. No, that's not what the Holy Spirit is doing. Not at all. The answer is in the very next verse, verse five. There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven and at the sound this and at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered why because each one was hearing them speak in his own language oh this makes sense Uh, The Holy Spirit fills the apostles and enables them to serve in a specific, very specific way that ministered to the people who needed it right then and there, who they wouldn't be able to minister to otherwise. And so they speak in foreign tongues and people can hear them speaking in their native tongue and God does a great work through that. Uh, Verse 7, and they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us? in his own native language. And then it it, it goes on to list where these people are from, right beginning in verse 9. So let me go through those and just give you a, a a quick run through about where these people would be from. So Parthians were from in what is now modern Iran. Medes were part of the Parthian Empire. Elamites lived in what is now southwestern Iran. The residents of Mesopotamia lived in what is modern day Iraq. Judea in the broadest sense would be the region once controlled by David and Solomon. Then there's Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia were all regions in Asia Minor. So you see, this is not just like people are like from the same neighborhood, right, or from the same region. This is devout Jews from almost every corner of the earth, at least as far as the known world was at that time. Egypt is like Egypt. Parts of Libya belonged to Cyrene was west of Egypt on the African coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Rome is Rome and Cretans were from the island of Crete. These are people from a wide variety of places. And the Holy Spirit fills the apostles, gives them that in the moment grace to be the witnesses God had called them to be. In the moment grace to be witnesses that they would not be able to be without his filling. And so they all hear them speaking in their native tongue. And Galileans, who quite frankly wouldn't have been thought to be like the sharpest tool in the drawer, were considered somewhat ignorant, uneducated, certainly not well-versed in foreign languages from far off lands. Galileans were speaking their languages. Verse 11, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So you can bank on the Holy Spirit giving you In the moment, grace, you need to be the witness Jesus has called you to be. That's why it's so important that we live our lives in such a way that we would be putting ourselves in a position to be filled by the Holy Spirit. That we would be meeting with the Lord regularly. That we would be seeking to empty ourselves of ourselves. That we would die to self and say, Lord, change me to be more like you and less like myself. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Equip me to serve. Equip me to witness. And you can bank on God meeting your need every time, 100% of the way. Now, there's a common mistake that is made in understanding this passage of Scripture and how we apply it today. Uh, And that mistake can be summed up in this line. We misinterpret that which is, listen, we misinterpret that which is descriptive for that which is prescriptive. We misinterpret that which is descriptive for that which is prescriptive. Now, in the Bible, there's a wide variety of literary genres, right? The book of Acts is what we call historical narrative. So it's history being presented in the form of a story. So Luke is saying, this is what happened. So he's describing what happened. But oftentimes we see this and people think, no, it's not just describing what happened. This is prescribing what needs to happen every time the Holy Spirit fills someone. But that would be incorrect. There's lots of things described in the scriptures that are not prescribed uh, for us. It's just described. Isaiah preached naked. That is descriptive, 100% not prescriptive. I take great joy in getting dressed. Okay, getting these things flipped around can be pretty confusing at times and pretty scary. Looking at a descriptive text and seeing it as prescriptive will cause us to be looking for things and looking for God to act in ways that we've not been told that he's going to act every time. And so before we address that further, what I'd like to do is to pray and ask for God's help. So let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Padre nostro, Padre nostro chi sei in cielo, Padre nostro sia santificato il tuo nome. Vengo tuo regno, si è fatta la tua volontà come in cielo così intero. Daggi oggi il nostro pane quotidiano e rimetti noi nostri debiti come noi rimettiamo i nostri debitori. Non ci duri tentazioni, ma le berci da male. Gesù Cristo ti amiamo perché prima ci amavi. Spirito Santo, riempimi e aiutimi. Aiutami, aiutaci tutti a comprendere la tua parola. In nome di Gesù, and all God's people said, I don't understand what you're saying. Or you, you express a tremendous amount of trust in me. Thank you for saying amen. I could have been praying for the Mets. <laughs> now, thinking what happened in the book of Acts, particularly Acts chapter 2 as normative, would cause you to believe, or at least to look for it, to say every time somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to look just like that. But in reality, what I did was maybe somewhat amusing, but in large part, very unhelpful, right? italiano Because you don't speak Italian. So that which I prayed, um, how many of you think God understood? Pretty sure. Those of you who are not raising your hand, you meant to raise your hand, right? Like God, I'm sure you did. Just a little... Lapse. so it's great god understood but to say that the holy spirit was working in that moment so that he would edify all the people who are present here just as he did in acts chapter two would be a bit of a stretch why because the holy spirit doesn't need to fill me to do that why because uh, under here are devout christians from every county in the greater cincinnati area we all speak english that that filling is not needed And so to look at something in Acts chapter 2 that is what? Descriptive and say that is prescriptive would cause us to miss the forest for the sake of the trees. It would cause us to not realize what God is really doing among us. Because we're looking for one sign, one thing that we read about here that was amazing. And then not realize all the many, many things that he is doing as he fills and works through believers each and every day. You should be filled with the Holy Spirit. We looked at that earlier, Ephesians 5 and verse 18. But to think that filling occurs in the same way all the time, every time, uh, is is just ridiculous. In Acts chapter 2, there are people from 14 different regions. You want to get their attention? You want to show them God's power and might? God's like, okay, let's have the foolish Galileans speak to the Iraqis and the Egyptians. You like apples? How do you like them apples? And God makes an entrance, gets their attention, and shows that he is mighty. And so as I ask the Lord to fill me with the Holy Spirit, that's not going to manifest itself in me speaking a foreign language because that wouldn't be helpful. But that's the good news, folks. The Holy Spirit isn't a one-trick pony, right? Holy Spirit Spirit's just like, hey, look, I got one trick that I do all the time. I got languages. You need languages? I'll give you languages. You say, I don't really need languages, right? Well, that's all I got. Get yourself in a situation where you need languages. I'll give you language. If not, you're flying solo, bro. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. In fact, in your outline, you'll see several examples of the Holy Spirit filling the apostles to do a bunch of different things, and none of them had to do with speaking foreign languages. In Acts 4, he gave Peter boldness and the right words to say to the high priests. Acts 4, verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and he spoke to the high priest, and then verse 13 says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. In Acts chapter 6, Stephen is chosen to... Uh, Be one of the people who would minister to the Hellenistic widows who were being neglected in the daily distribution. And they chose Stephen, verse 5, Acts 6 and verse 5. A man full of faith and what? The Holy Spirit. Uh, In Acts chapter 9, uh, the Holy Spirit restored Saul's sight at his conversion. Acts 9 and verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight. And what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit and proceed to speak Mandarin. No, that wouldn't have helped. That was not what the God was doing, in his, but he filled him with the Holy Spirit. Scales felt like fell off of his, his eyes. He was saved. He was, goes on to serve the Lord with the rest of his life. In Acts 13, he gives Paul the words to say and struck the false prophet with blindness. Acts 13, verse 9. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all unrighteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And speak a wide variety of Spanish. No. But these are all examples of God filling the apostles with the Holy Spirit so that they can minister in those ways. In Acts chapter 2, they gave them the ability to speak a wide variety of languages. In all of those other instances, they were just as filled with the Holy Spirit, but it just came in different forms. Because there's no cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all Holy Spirit fillings. If you're meeting with God regularly, seeking to understand his will for your life, if his goodness and grace have given you a new song in your heart, if you find yourself grateful for his goodness and mercy and grace, and you're seeking to die to self, serving him and others, God the Holy Spirit is going to fill you and use you to be witnesses here, there, and way over there. Praise his name. Because the Holy Spirit meets us where we are. And fills us to do his work in a way that we would never be able to do. In and of ourselves. And point number three. You know there's something else you can bank on? You can bank on the Holy Spirit doing what he does best in your life and mine. Enabling us to understand, apply, and share Christ the word. See the gift of languages in Acts chapter 2 verses 7 and following. Do you know what that did? That paved the way for Peter to preach the gospel in verses 14 and following. See when the Holy Spirit shows up and presents a sign, a miraculous wonder, it's never just like, hey, I just the Holy Spirit just shown up just so we can like flex his muscles and show what he can do and say you can't do this. They're like for my next trick I will pull a rabbit out of a hat. No, there's always a reason. And in Acts chapter 2, uh, the gift of languages paves the way for Peter to preach the gospel in verse 14. Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose. This is is the only third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. He's saying, hey, pay attention. All eyes not on me, not even on the wonders. But remember the word of God. Remember what you've heard from the prophet Joel. It's happening. The future is now. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Take the miracle Take the Acts, uh, what we read about the, the, the miracle happening with people being able to speak foreign tongues out of that. You're not going to get that. And so the Holy Spirit does what he does best in your life and mine by filling us and enabling us to understand, apply, and share Christ the Word. Listen, here's something I want you to look for as we spend time in the book of Acts. You're going to see a lot of miracles A lot of wonders, a lot of things that will just boggle your mind. But you know what they are? They're signs. And you know what signs do? Signs always point to something greater than themselves. I'm not taking away from the sign. I'm just saying, if you stop at the sign, you're never going to get to the destination the sign is pointing to. They're always pointing to something greater than themselves. And, watch this, Most of the time, the vast majority of the time, as you read through the book of Acts, they're paving the way for Jesus who was the word made flesh for the gospel to be preached. So that's why some may say the main character in the book of Acts is Peter or Paul or others might say it's all of the apostles or some might say it's the Holy Spirit. I think the main character, the one who's really on the move, the one to whom every sign points to is Christ, the word of God. And as you read through the book of Acts, you're going to see him showing up all the time, every time as the gospel is preached as a result of the wonderful, mighty fillings of the Holy Spirit that happen in the lives of God's people. That's what the miracle of languages was all about in Acts 2. Let's look at some more. The boldness in Acts 4 and verse 8 enabled Peter to preach the gospel four verses later. The filling of the Holy Spirit that filled Stephen and enabled him to serve the widows in Acts 6 verse 5 preceded the word of God increasing, the number of disciples multiplying, and many priests being saved two verses later. Sign paves the way for salvation. Sign paves the way for gospel. Saul's sight being restored in Acts 9 and verse 17 preceded his proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues in Acts 9 and verse 20. When Paul struck the false prophet with blindness in Acts 13 and verse 11, those that were listening believed and were astonished at the what? Teaching of the Lord in Acts 13 and verse 12. Listen. You're going to miss out on so much if you read through the book of Acts and you stop At the sign. Look at the sign. Say wow. And keep going. Because the sign is pointing to something else. And it's pointing to Jesus Christ and the gospel that people need to hear and need to be saved. Don't just stop at the sign. I think so many times we look at the Holy Spirit acting the way he does and filling the believers the way he does throughout the book of Acts. And we're so blown away by all the wow, right? The things that we've never seen, that we've not personally uh, interacted with. We're blown away by wow, that we're looking so hard for wow. So the Holy Spirit's going to show up, it's going to be a wow. But we miss the Holy Spirit in the now. The everyday opportunities we have to speak with one another. The, the time when all of a sudden someone's just laid on your heart and you pray for them. The time when there's a scripture that you haven't read in a while, but it was called back to your mind and it meets a need that you have. Or the time when you're you know, wondering, should you still live here? Or should you still keep this job? Or should you really marry her? Or whatever you're wondering. And you open up the word of God and it doesn't say, yes, dude, marry her. You'll never do better. This is the one you should not let go. But what it does say is it gives you a broader perspective. And it doesn't change your circumstance, but it changes your view of the circumstance. That's the Holy Spirit acting, moving, filling, driving, helping, counseling, and comforting us day after day after day. Meeting us where we are for what we need at that time. What about you? How has God, the Holy Spirit, equipped you at a time when you desperately needed him? Can you recall to your mind a time when the Holy Spirit moved in your life and was graced to help in your very real time of need? Calling to your mind hope. Giving you comfort that nobody else could give because at their best efforts they still fell short. Or while it was great to be comforted by them, eventually they do what most people do. They go home and then you're alone but the holy spirit reminds you that you're never alone can you call to a mind that the holy spirit filled you equipped you at a time when you desperately needed him because you'd lost your way or because you needed him because you wanted to minister to somebody else Thank him for that. Look to God and say, thank you. And say, Lord, I I probably don't realize, if I thank you for three, I've probably missed 17 others. Where you filled me and equipped me and sustained me and given me the ability to do that which I could not do apart from you. Recall a time and thank him for his provision. Don't you, yeah, 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 but I'm looking for the really big thing. Yeah, I got it, comfort, I feel better, but I'm looking for the, like I want to see smoke and mirrors and fire and wind and all this other stuff. God is moving. The Holy Spirit is filling. He's doing more in your life and more in my life than we probably even realize And I just want to encourage you to think from that perspective and to pray that God would open your eyes that you might see what he's doing. Just a a little because, friends, I'm convinced God is always working and sometimes he lets us watch. But that God is always working in our lives. That there's no happenstance, no circumstance, and we are not robots but we are carrying out the will of God for our lives and we seek to be in obedience to him and to please him, but never for a minute think that the Holy Spirit is not enabling you to just breathe, much less minister to others as Christian. I want you to pray specifically for a way in which you hope the Holy Spirit would fill you in order to be an effective witness for Christ. Again, he's not one size fits all. Not a one trick pony. He will meet you and fill you with just the grace, just the courage, just the boldness, just the love, just the mercy that you need to be a witness for him here, there, and way over there. Pray that he would do that And pray that he would show you what you need to do and what I need to do to live lives where we are more in a position or a posture, if you would, where the Lord would fill us. That we might be continually filled with the Holy Spirit for his glory and our good. Let's close at a word of prayer. Let's try English. Father in heaven, we come before you grateful for your mercy and your love and your kindness. Grateful for what we read of throughout the book of Acts and throughout all of your scriptures about how you have accomplished great and mighty things through vessels like us that would be empty if it were not for your daily constant fillings of grace and of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we thank you for enabling us to Love, enabling us to understand. Thank you for allowing us to love you because you first loved us. Thanks for making that first move that we would never make in and of ourselves. But then, Lord, you you called us out of darkness and into light. A call that we simply cannot resist when your Holy Spirit is in us and shows us our need. And that all of our needs are met in you, Christ. Lord, help us to pursue The filling of the Holy Spirit that we need. Lord, these apostles were never the same after this event. Uh, They were never the same. And even though they had gone in many different directions after that, they were never alone because you were with them at all times. Remind us, Lord, that we have your indwelling presence, O Holy Spirit. Comfort us, guide us, strengthen us, and help us to persevere to the end for your glory. We pray in Jesus' good name. Amen.